KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, July 14th. Changes to how masks will be enforced at school. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The County Board of Supervisors voted unanimously to extend a contract to keep San Pasquale Academy open through June of 2022. The Escondido campus for foster youth was slated to close in October due to a loss of federal funding and declining enrollment. A new study of more than 1,000 of the nation's counties finds Black, Asian, and Latinx neighborhoods are frequently hotter than predominantly white neighborhoods. Researcher Susanna Benz says urban planners have to make trade-offs as they develop cities with more dense housing and fewer trees, which leads to hotter neighborhoods. You can't just have everything. I mean, on the one side, we want to have like tighter cities so we don't need that much land. and. Um, on the other side, this kind of impacts heat, this impacts air quality and, and all of these things. And the same with vegetation. On the one side in San Diego, we want to have all of this vegetation to cool down the city. On the other side, it needs water. So there are always these trade-offs. Almost as if to nod to Shark Week, there's been sightings of juvenile white sharks in Del Mar. Dr. Chris Lowe is the director of the Shark Lab at Cal State Long Beach. He's working with Del Mar lifeguards on tracking and tagging sharks for research. And we have no idea where they go. So now that we're tagging baby sharks with transmitters that last 10 years, we're starting to figure that out. Not to panic surfers, but Dr. Lowe says he thinks a group of juvenile white sharks has made Del Mar their new home. He says they're less aggressive, but that swimmers and surfers should hit the water in groups. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Despite pushback from some parents, California will still require masks for K-12 schools in the fall. But what is changing is how that mask mandate will be enforced. The state says it will now allow school districts to decide how to enforce the rules. KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell has more on what that means in San Diego. It's because um, you can't breathe or nothing in the mask. Valdin Trujillo, a third grader at Zamorano Elementary Fine Arts Academy in the South Bay, isn't too happy about wearing a face mask to school, but he understands why it's required. Today there was someone in positive of COVID here in the school, but they sanitize it. California health officials are following the CDC on guidelines for schools. While students will not have to social distance, they will be required to wear masks. School districts can decide how to enforce the mask mandate. Masking, you know, is a, a very important mitigation strategy, uh, you know, to keep everybody safe. With the Delta variant still spreading across the U.S., San Diego Unified School Board President Richard Barrera says he agrees with the state. 
you know, we're not out of the woods yet in this in this pandemic. And so we know that um, despite all of our best efforts to encourage vaccinations, we will still have, you know, um, students on campus in the fall who will not be vaccinated. Barrera says the district expects 90% of their students to return back to campus when school begins in August. 6,000 students in the district have been vaccinated, but Barrera says everyone will be required to wear a face mask. And then other students, you know, have been vaccinated and are not wearing masks. And now you've, you're putting students in a really tough spot. Um, and, you know, we could see situations of bullying or harassment. Mireya Noriega has two daughters in San Diego Unified. She thinks masks are the safest option. She says parents who don't agree with the masking still have their children taking online classes. Barrera says online learning is an option for families who choose not to send their kids back to the classroom. The state plans to go back to reassess the mask mandate on November 1st. And that was KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. Restaurants who put up outdoor seating during the pandemic and intend to keep it now have a few more weeks to get it up to fire code before facing fines. KPBS's Melissa May checked in on one restaurant that's welcoming the extra time. People are enjoying the summer after the pandemic with bonus seating in parklets that many San Diego restaurants put up during restrictions. This is San Diego, sitting outside, enjoying a glass of wine and enjoying great food. San Diego's Little Italy neighborhood took full advantage of the concept and built some really nice outdoor dining spaces. Having outdoor seating helps tremendously. It, it's, it's literally a, a, a billboard on the sidewalk. When we have our food out, people walk by and they say, oh, that looks great, and they want to come in. Vince Puslaki is the general manager at Nona in Little Italy, and their parklet cost about $10,000 to build. Temporary outdoor business operation permits allowed restaurants to build parklets like these outside of their restaurants to accommodate for outdoor seating. The mayor's office just announced that they were extending their deadline to August 2nd for restaurants to restructure their partlets to be in compliance with state law and even safer for the public. July 13th was the original deadline for restaurants to bring their outdoor dining parklets up to code. Business owners who did not comply could have faced up to a $10,000 fine. We're lucky enough that we got this in the first place, so we kind of have to work with the city and the state to kind of see if it means cutting the roofs off and getting compliance and that's okay for a while, then you know we'll do what we have to. With the new extension, restaurants have a little extra time to modify their parklets to fit within federal, state, and local fire codes. This includes removing permanent rooftops and moving the portion of their parklets that block red curbs, among other requirements. We're on city property, so there's that gray area where who's liable, who's not liable. Um, but all in all, I mean, we're just, I mean, we're thankful that the city allowed us to do this in the first place. The restaurant industry is still trying to recover from the pandemic. We've kind of rolled with the punches, you know, like we, we've been, you know, we've been through a lot this last year. And so this is just another bump in the road that we just kind of have to, you know, handle and figure out what, you know, which way to go with it. The city of San Diego is working with business groups to help them bring their parklets up to code. The city says communication has already begun about the extension and future of parklets in San Diego. And that was KPBS's Melissa May.
billions of dollars for broadband internet infrastructure across the state. That's what's in a new measure announced this week by the governor's office and state legislative leaders. And that's important for millions of people in California who lack reliable access to the internet. KPBS's John Carroll has more. There are two big reasons why millions of Californians don't have high-quality internet. Either they can't afford it or the infrastructure isn't there to provide it. But a new agreement between Governor Newsom and legislative leaders aims to fix that. To people in urban and rural areas, the agreement, if it becomes law, will be a game-changer. I've heard these conversations before, so what I'm looking for are investments. San Diego native Barry Pollard is the CEO of the Urban Collaborative Project, a group that identifies disparities within the greater San Diego area and works on solutions. He says the new broadband bill is critical in closing the digital divide, helping families who are struggling. That have four and five kids that are in school and they have to take turns on the internet because they drop connection. That is real. The new legislation would set aside more than $5 billion for the expansion of broadband, $3.25 billion to build out the lines, the so-called middle mile, and $2 billion for the last mile lines that will connect homes and businesses with local networks, $1 billion each for urban and rural communities. There is another sizable group that is underserved when it comes to broadband, that is seniors. Here at the Gary and Mary West Senior Wellness Center, the group serving seniors is making sure they're not forgotten. There's a, been a huge digital divide for older adults that's just been exacerbated by the pandemic. Serving Seniors President and CEO Paul Downey says a lot of seniors had to just sit at home during the pandemic. They didn't have the connectivity, the ability to stay in touch with family and friends. But there's another aspect that's especially important for seniors, their health. It can also be a cost effective if we can convert a lot of older adults to being able to use telehealth for things that don't require an in-the-office visit with a physician. The infrastructure that will provide connectivity is just part of this effort. The governor and legislative leaders say they're also committed to providing funding before the end of the year to help people pay for that access to today's high-speed internet. And that reporting from KPBS's John Carroll. Coming up, tiny homes used to house homeless veterans. We'll have that story next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Among veterans, homelessness is a problem with many causes, and so far, few solutions. But in Kansas City, one organization is replacing the traditional shelter model with tiny homes, and it's an idea that's spreading across the country. Chris Haxel reports for the American Homefront Project. Christopher Perry served eight years in the Marine Corps. He saw combat in Iraq and got promoted. 
a few times, but he struggled with what he later learned was PTSD and began abusing drugs and alcohol. First, he lost his rank, and then his livelihood, kicked out with an other-than-honorable discharge. When I got out of the military, I just, you know, I, I started losing all my house, my cars, um, you know, st- stopped being able to visit with my kids. You know, I, I lost everything. He describes the next 10 years of his life in four succinct words. Prison, drugs, homelessness, alcohol. But about a year ago, he found a place called the Veterans Community Project. It's a nonprofit that has built a village for homeless veterans. Literally, there are 49 tiny homes laid out like a miniature suburban neighborhood, each one about the size of a typical hotel room. So this house is just finished getting getting repaired from a guy moving out and uh, has been staged for a vet to move in next week. Wes Williams is the director of veteran services here. As you'll see, every one of these is fully stocked with plates and, and, and cups and silverware. And um, we'll have about two weeks of groceries when they move in. Um, and this is no shelter. The towels and bedding are brand new and they belong to the resident forever. The independence and not sharing a room with, with five or six or 50 people um, really adds to that security and that, that peace of mind and knowing that like, when I'm here, I'm safe. Williams says the idea is to give residents a sense of ownership and dignity. But as a combat veteran himself, he knows many of the residents have experienced trauma. So the homes are designed from the ground up with security in mind. There's one way in and one way out, and the bed is here in the back corner, and that's, that's designed so if, if they're laying down here in their bed, they don't have to worry about somebody sneaking up behind them. The village also has a community center, and there are plans to build a campus to house other veteran service organizations, a sort of one-stop shop for veterans who may lack reliable transportation. Other cities have taken note. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota, planning director Jason Bieber saw Veterans Community Project as a model when that city started thinking about where to house its homeless vets. They reached out and ended up becoming partners. I mean, I think it was always in our back of our mind as being the the dream to partner with them and do one of their villages up here. Uh, But, you know, never thought that that maybe would, would necessarily be a reality. They've identified a plot of land and hope to break ground soon. Back in Kansas City, Marine Corps veteran Christopher Perry is getting his life back together. He's enrolled in community college and plans to move out soon. Eventually, he wants to get licensed as a truck driver. This is an amazing feeling, man. Uh, when when it, all those little tiny burdens are lifted off your shoulders, it really puts your head in a, a space, man, where you, you can actually move forward instead of wor- worrying about you know, where, you're, where you're not going to go, what's behind you. In addition to Sioux Falls, Veterans Community Project has tiny villages planned in St. Louis and Longmont, Colorado. Williams says the group wants villages in eight cities by the end of next year. I'm Chris Haxel in Kansas City. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. 
And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio, or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.